how much of the first century writings and the first century of Jesus's movement did they really believe like they thought very very strongly that they were going to live to see Jesus come back I mean you literally right. shouldn't get married and have children because Jesus is coming and you should spend your time focusing right. on getting right with God I mean <laughs> and then you're right. single in 55 and you're like damn it Paul Exactly. I'm like, okay, Paul really didn't like this. Welcome to episode 119 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft-brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, plus occasional guests, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, and yes, with a good beverage in hand. You can now show your love for Pub Theology Live by becoming a supporter on Patreon. <laughs> Dip your toe into the shot glass level, that's $2 a month, or go for a full pint or growler, and um, you can listen to special guests, our interviews with special guests, get some swag, um, do some things like that. Join patreon.com slash ptlive to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. Indeed. And you can join our conversation on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram using hashtag PTLive. Follow at Pub Theology on those platforms, and you can check out video clips from the show on IGTV or watch us on YouTube. And you can also leave us a voicemail, 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830, or shoot us an email, info at pubtheology.com. Let us know any questions or thoughts things you would like us to discuss. Well, today we will discuss uh, Augustine of Hippo, who's credited with saying, understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand that you may believe, but believe that you may understand. So does belief bring us to a place of understanding or do we get knowledge and then uh, adjust beliefs? Northrop Fry countered uh, Augustine's saying by saying that belief has nothing to do with knowledge. So we'll discuss this tension between faith, belief, and knowledge. And we are joined today by Jason Chestnut to discuss. Jason is a pastor, filmmaker, a hopeless creative, and a storyteller. He's ordained in the ELCA Lutheran Church and is currently a full-time videographer. He's passionate about telling stories that matter and amplifying voices that are often ignored and he says that most of the time he's making it up as he goes along so welcome to the club and has a healthy dose of imposter syndrome he says but luckily the holy spirit does what she does and he gets by so welcome jason thank you it's good to be here it is great it's, to uh, have you it feels it feels very auspicious i feel like uh i feel like i'm just kind of i don't know like like a big deal. You know, you know when people like introduce you and you know, you, you write introductions for yourself and you have to write in a third person. You feel like a total tool, you know? Like so I kind of feel like a tool hearing Brian read the words that I wrote about myself in the third person. But otherwise I'm good. <laughs> I always have other people write them for me. So that way, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't all have Derek's sitting around doing whatever we ask them to do so well my best friend wrote mine i wrote derek's so you know oh got it got it got it yeah yeah no it's good to be with you all i've listened to this from afar and have enjoyed it and so i'm i'm, I'm happy to be asked to be on long time awesome. listener first time caller mm, mm, yep that's it that's it <laughs> so friends what are we uh, drinking today all right so i am drinking this is new for me it is a three stars brewing company called Above the Clouds, and it has a nice little Celtic cross on it. Um, oh, nice. That must so, be a new yeah, one above, from three stars. Above the Clouds. It is a farmhouse um, pale ale, 
and there is no description. I like the sound of it though. That's all I got. Let's see what happens. Yeah, let us know how it is. Um, I am drinking from the, uh, well, I would say a French inspired sparkling drink called LaCroix. <laughs> oh, you and Brian. Love it. LaCroix. I'm what, what? sorry, LaCroix are incredible. What uh, flavor? Hey. Uh, this is a lemon. Um, it's in a, it's in a bottle though. It's not in a can. So I'm classy as fuck. Whoa. And yeah. Yeah. Nice. So just so you know, I, I, I wasn't able to, um, I would have to go to a bar cause I'm not, I'm not at home. Right. Right. And, uh, and I didn't have anything ready to go. So I decided to not go to a bar. Plus I, I'm still kind of doing some work at my alma mater here in Chicago. So I, I, uh, I had to go non-alcoholic this time. Uh, non-alcoholic is always welcome. No, I, I hear you. I mean, I'm basically, I talk like a drunk person regardless. So <laughs> it's fine. There we yeah, go. Yeah, Brian and Ogan like it when I'm two beers in. They, that's when they really, you know. That, that, those <laughs> oh, I, I, I know, Shannon. I know, Shannon. I've been there. Yeah, I'm Jason there. knows two yeah. beers in, Shannon. Jason knows five beers in, Shannon. So, you know. I do. <laughs> I do. There we go. Well, today I am drinking a uh, fresh haze from Deschutes uh, Brewery. I believe nice. they're out in, aren't they out in Portland, these guys? Mm, Bend, Bend, Oregon. Bend, Bend Oregon. Oregon. Brian, is, when I'm done, I'll go outside because I can, I can compete with your snow picture. Yeah, now. did you see that? I did. I just, you know, I don't want to go outside because it's disgusting. So this is like a, a hazy, juicy kind of New England style IPA, and it is quite nice. Wonderful. Mm. So this uh, is delicious. Is it good? Yeah, it is. See, in my little glass beer, good for the soul. Indeed, it's true. Indeed. Right, proper brewing company glass, but oh well, uh, still a DC brewery, so you're good. Mm-hmm. They're friends. So. If you uh, had to lose four of your five senses, for whatever reason, which one would you keep? You could only keep one. Well, now that you say it that way, Brian, before you said which sense, I said I would lose my sixth sense and then we'd be all in the same playing field and now I can't make that joke, so thanks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the other way to ask it was if you had to lose only one, which would you lose? Sorry, I should have set you up better. Yeah, come on. Only uh, one is easy. Losing Well, let's four. do that first. Okay, let's reset, and I'll give Jason a chance to respond. And maybe we can just edit oh, man. We'll never know. Okay, go ahead. You go ahead. So, Try it again. All right. Uh, uh, sorry, are we saying, are we, I'm going to use my joke again? Because that, that, feels, that feels weird to me. I'm not going to use the joke again. Keep going. <laughs> all right, we'll keep going. Right, we'll keep never. Okay, I, I blew so, it two times. I looked at the script earlier, and I started to think about it, and I almost cried. Like, it was just, like, it was hard. It was a really hard thing to think about. Because you plugged your nose, closed your eyes, put your ear-canceling headphones on. Well, so here's where I am. I'm, I'm going, okay, well, I would taste and smell could, that's fine. Like, those would be the first to go for me, taste and smell. Um, so then you get into, like, sight and sound and touch. I'm like, that's hard. Yeah. So what I want to be able to see my husband and my children in the world, but not hear them laugh and not feel their touch and not, you know, right. Or what I want to be able to, to hear them and hear music and, you know, all those wonderful things. Um, but, and, and communicate with them, hear them and, I mean, you can still communicate through sight, I guess, too, but, you know, hear their laughter and hear that. Um, but losing touch is really, that's really hard for me to think about, like losing the ability to like feel, feel touch. And we've never said that you've lost touch. So that's. Oh, thank oh you. sorry. Nobody's ever accused me of a lack of feeling either. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, they, they accuse me of the opposite. I've over, I've too many feelings. So you haven't answered, but you've wrestled with, you've, um, gotten it down to three sight. Yeah, I'm wrestling. I got it down to three. So, and, t- and feel or touch. So, like, part of me wants to say I, I would keep touch, which feels really strange. But it there you go. It feels really strange. I know yeah. it feels really strange. 
no, I'm, I might keep touch. Yeah. But that feels wrong. <laughs> Begin with my feelings. <laughs> Maybe because I can't pick between sight and sound. Yeah. Maybe that's the only reason why. What about y'all? What do you think about? I think I would go with, uh, I would hang on to hearing. I feel like if I could still hear, then that would help my ability to talk also. Um, Cause if you can't hear it, I think it becomes harder to talk. Cause that sound right. Um, and, but also like, it just feels like the world would, would be lonely without being able to hear anything. And maybe just for um, like self protection, you can hear like danger approaching. And if you can't hear, you don't know it's approaching. See, I went to the safety issue when you couldn't, be like when you didn't have touch or sight, well, like that feels like a double safety issue. That's you know? true. That's true. Don't worry. She can't see or feel anything. <laughs> right. That's true. <trouble. laughs> I mean, think about that. It's no good. <laughs> like, do not leave me alone ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. It w that would be tough. Jason, Jason what you about you? Any thoughts? That, that would, that would be tough. Yeah. Um, I think the easiest for me to get rid of would be smell. Then I'll be the first one to go. Um, and yeah, smell will be the first. Uh, I just, I don't know. There's all these horrible smells. Like I have a really sensitive smell anyways. Right. So it's like, I could just, I could get through a lot if I didn't have to smell anything. Sight and sound go to, right. I'll go to yeah. is, is sight and sound. And so um, I'd be okay getting rid of feeling too. Uh, touch. Be okay. That, that that would be that would go. So so smelling and touching. I'm a visual person, so I just feel like it would be really really hard to not be able to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not be able to see the life and see see the world. Um, see see moments. I just I feel like everything is everything for me is would come out of my eyesight, and and that's kind of how I feel. So I think that would. I mean, it's tough, right? It's a tough. It's a tough. Uh, it's a tough thought experiment, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely losing one, I think is, you know, losing one, but then only keeping one. That's tricky. Um, I just feel like, I don't know, I've been watching, I've been finally getting into Game of Thrones because a friend of mine gave me HBO Go access. Um, so I'm finally watching it for the first time. And there's just these moments, right? Mostly with like the sadistic boy yeah. who likes to watch other people be tortured. Um, and yeah, there's a moment where they cut out, they cut out somebody's tongue. And mm -hmm. there's a moment where they cut out, cut out people's eyeballs. And it's like all these different things that were happening. I, I think the one where I audibly gasped was when they were like, we're going to take out your eyes. I was like, oh, God, no. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Like, it wasn't like the other ones. I was like, yeah, do it. You know? Like, <laughs> not, no, I mean, they were all horrific, but you know, nonetheless. They're all horrific. But I had, a, I had a visceral reaction to the idea of losing my, my eyesight. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on a podcast right now, so <laughs> it's fine. Sorry, sorry, you have to edit that. Out. How's my voice now? That's better. Good. We'll okay. try it out, see if it breaks it up. But I think could be my end too. You know, we got problem. frozen everything over here, and it could be my internet's a little. You're yeah. breaking up a little bit, Brian, but not. It's not too bad. All right, all right. So um, let's get into the the meat of this whole faith, belief, knowledge thing, and we have sort of a story to help us begin, and this is. Uh, person who posted uh, to Facebook after this weekend, and he said, over the years, I have grappled with various atonement theories, as many of us have. Yesterday, he said, during the church service, I had one of those penetrating thoughts, don't try to figure it out atonement, just surrender all and totally submit. He said, it actually came to me as we were singing, what can wash away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. The literal and theoretical vanished in light of the psychological reality. So kind of an interesting insight into someone's experience who's sort of wrestling intellectually with a, with a theological position, but then has this experience during worship where they wonder, maybe I'm just overthinking it. Maybe I just need to let go and embrace. Wondering if you resonate with that, if you have experienced that yourself, if you would push back at all, how does that strike you? Well, I don't like the word surrender. Is that just me? I don't like it. Not just you. 
<laughs> it makes me it makes me have a it makes me have a feeling. I don't know and what that feeling is. And he is said it, not only surrender but totally submit. Yeah, see submission, I think that's even more. Maybe that's maybe that's the word. Does that have me. to do with like clearly they see God in a very hierarchical way? Like that God is this master authority. Authority to be obeyed. Um, even you know, disciplinarian father. Is is that where the uncomfortability comes in, maybe? I mean, yeah, I, I, I just think that like honestly, when I heard submission or right, I read total submission, I just I heard like, listen, there's this thing that's abusing you and you just gotta take it. Mm. Um and yeah, I mean, and I, and I definitely, I, I definitely thought about it along gendered terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, like that's what I've heard from women who have been in abusive situations, or, ah. or specifically women and men on Twitter with whom I spar, who have right. a very intensely, um, I would call it masochistic view of theology and who God is and how we relate to God. Because mm. there's, there's, it's. It's a change of words, but let go and let God isn't far from that, right? Like it's yeah, it's right. nicer, yeah. It it's friendlier. It it fits on a pillow, right? But mm. it, it it's that same giving over, you know. It's that right. same um, same submission. Same. I so I've been I've been working with a a spiritual director in preparation for my sabbatical. And what we've been working on is actually shifting my view of God to a more mutual understanding uh-huh. that, that God and I are in mutual relationship and not this parent child, God tells me what to do. I do it right. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing, um, which is how I grew up like that. And, and still my reform tradition teaches that view of God. Yeah. Um, and like we've been doing this for weeks and I'm going, what the hell does that look like? <laughs> because there aren't models for it. Mm. This, um, so we fall back on that language. We keep, we keep falling back on that language. And I don't think it's overly helpful. I think it's lazy theology. Um, in, in, in terms of lazy, just accept kind of this dominant narrative of God as an old white man with a beard who, you know, that we just have to let go and, and, and we have to understand everything through the lens of, of God that like everything happens for a reason. All these kind of pithy sayings, I think, I think it's, it's easier to do that than to actually say things like, what does the Bible say about this? Which of course that's already a loaded thing too. Right. But like, for sure. How, how did you, how did Jesus relate to, to God? What did Paul say to God to different communities? What did Paul say to the Romans? What did Paul say to Corinthians? So, I mean, I think there's just a lot of, I, I think we miss a lot of nuance when we start talking about, um, well, you just need to submit. Like you just need to totally submit to God and everything will be good. Yeah. Um, you know? Yeah. And I, I hear you. And I feel like I, I feel like it's an approach that I, I was kind of uh, handed growing up in the church in a um, mostly conservative reformed setting. If you had like deeper questions about God or, or firmly held theologies, it's kind of like you just need to let it go and, and trust God and look, you know, smarter minds than you have grappled with this over, you know, the centuries and, and you're not one to be in a position to question that. And so I feel like this this voice he's hearing. I wonder if it's if it's those voices he's also been given over the years. Don't try to figure it out. Just let go and trust and believe it. So I want to name that there's a difference between surrendering and submission, and letting it sit for a while. For sure. And right. So l- let me pray on on that, which is still loaded language, but still <laughs> some I use like, let me let me sit with this for a while. Let me let, there's there is a way of I'm trying to figure this out in my brain. I'm trying to I'm trying to unpack this and I'm I'm looking for it in theology books or I'm looking for the answer, 
even in scripture or whatever. And let it sit with you in your body and your soul and yourself. Yeah, exactly. And ask the question of like, so how do I experience this? Or how, how is this coming? How is this appearing to me? What is God trying to show me in this? And that's very, I think some people might say it's the same concept, but I think the language shift is important, right? Like, for sure. um, especially when the realization comes through the hymn washed in the blood of Jesus, like <laughs> that. Yeah. That and all those, all me. those, yeah. And all those, all that language I think is, again, I go back to, I grew up in a fundamentalist tradition, um, which, you know, I think a lot of fundamentalist Christianity sounds like, like, you know, there are reform documents that we really be into, like the concept of tulip right. and total depravity that, that we were taught, right? Um, I'm, I'm ordained in the Lutheran church now, but I think I still have some of this. And I just always, when I hear language around, I mean, anything like Shannon's, you know, I'm going to pray on that, or even, you know, this person who posted around submission, submitting, um, like, that's not language Jesus used is my first go-to. Uh, interesting. I'm just always like, you know, I mean, also Jesus never, Jesus never asked anyone to accept him into their hearts. Like these sorts of things that we, we say without thinking, I'm just like, why don't we actually use words that Jesus used? Like, you know, listen, sell all you have and give it to the poor and then follow. Right. <sighs> like we don't, we don't use that as like our go-to, but I'm like, but that's what Jesus said often. We don't, we don't ever like use John the Baptist words. Listen, don't tell me you're going to repent. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Um, yeah. we, don't, we don't say things like that. And I, I, think, I, think, we're, I think we're more spiritually uh, empty for that. Mm. And so even you know, washing the blood of the lamb. Um, I mean, there's, there's language around comparing Jesus to the lamb, especially like you know, taking from Isaiah. So for Christians to see that suffering servant songs, there are things like that, like a lamb led to the slaughter. He didn't open his mouth. There are things like that. Sure. But I feel like just, I don't know, I was having a conversation with my godmother the other day, another ELCA pastor, and she was planning stuff for Lent. And she was like, is there a Lenten hymn that doesn't have shitty theology? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Like, is there one? Can we have one that doesn't? And it's like, and again, I think, I think a lot of that, for me, it compares to the point of, like, if we're going to say that Jesus is the word made flesh, then I think Jesus should be our go-to when it comes to relating to God. And I don't think that's the case. I hear you. I hear you. And doesn't it seem like what's happening here in this experience is, you know, this person has, as they've thought about this idea of atonement and most likely substitutionary atonement, which is sort of the dominant theory that gets um, gets used a lot in many church circles. He's wrestled with it intellectually, but here he is in a church service and he's with friends and there's, you know, um, singing and the music and this familiar song comes on. And so I think there's like nostalgia and emotion at work and those are powerful forces. And, and then he's like, yeah, who am I to ask these questions? I should just go with the flow and not ruffle any feathers and washed in the blood, amen, Jesus. And but that's the part of that mutual, like not seeing God in a mutual relationship, not seeing God as us, as creatures that God loves, wanting us to get to a place of, what the hell are you talking about? Like, wh is this made up? Is this real? Like, you know, yeah. really being able to, um, have this God that invites that not only questioning, but the disbelief, right? Invites that yeah. kind of, no, you don't have it all figured out. And God, why would I want you to? I mean, I, I don't know. That, that I think it's, of, I, yeah. I mean, I think it's a, I think, I think it's a repudiation of Genesis in terms of like the, the first creation narrative that, God creates humankind in the divine image and then gives us sort of, or maybe I'm conflating the two, which is, which is not fair. I mean, conflating the first and the second, but like uh, the first and second creation narratives, but there's that piece around 
like that we're co-creators with God, right? That God gives us not dominion necessarily, but says, you know, listen, this is the earth and, 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 and I want you to help me create subdue it. I know it. that's not, yeah. well, right. I yeah. mean, but the, the, the subdue thing is very much connected, I think, to language of submission, right? Like we, we submit, we we submit to God and so then earth should submit to us. No, I, uh, we looked it up a while ago, actually, um, for long time listeners, and I don't remember what it was, but it, it, it yeah. was something more than just submit. The right? Hebrew word is better there than the English renderings often. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and that is often the case in the Hebrew Bible. Was for right. sure. Like the original Hebrew, language Hebrew, is much better than ours. <laughs> he, I mean, he, Hebrew just does not translate well to English mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Right. But but there there was a whatever it was it was a challenge of healthy respect, mm. it, right? Mm. There was a there was a you need each other. There was know? a reciprocity, perhaps there. Yes. Yeah. And I, and so if we're if we look at God that way, then that that changes things. Which so as we talk about this, you know, to not blindly lead, like is, and maybe this goes to our next question, but like is there a place for belief without understanding or um, right. belief beyond what I can comprehend? Like, is there a place for that in our faith? Yeah. So let's get into that. Uh, so Augustine is credited with saying, as we said in the intro, understanding is the reward of faith. So he said, therefore, don't seek to understand so that you can believe, but believe so that you may understand. So if you believe something that feels beyond your ability to comprehend, maybe it'll start to make sense once you've come to that place of belief. So what do you think about that? Do you like that? Where are there areas where you feel like that holds true for you or do you disagree with that? I mean, for me, I, I think uh, a lot of it comes down to understanding what <laughs> understanding what belief means. Can I use both those words in that way? Um, sure. <laughs> like, but to agree on a definition of belief. Yeah. I think that's even a tricky part because for Augustine, um, you know, I think it was much more, uh, less an understanding of like intellectual assent and more of like, you know, the, the English word we don't use anymore, but it's a verb for beloved, right? To beloved. Mm-hmm. Like to believe and beloved, I think those are connected etymologically. I don't know for sure, hmm. but the sense of like I give my heart to something is is believing. Right? I give my heart to Jesus. I give my heart to this movement. And I think too often we have this Renaissance industrial revolution understanding of belief, which is like I have to prove it to right. believe in something. Right? Right. Like I have to show you charts and graphs, and then. And then, and then I'll prove it to you. Um, but, but then are we talking so, belief at that point? Or, or don't, we, don't we tend to post-enlightenment say we believe when we get to the point where we can't understand, and that's why belief is so shaky, because we can understand so much today about the world. And so, you know, it's people who need something beyond what the world can, the world of science and understanding can tell us. Mm. So then you, then you kind of have to resolve. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, but I think I like, like Dr. I think of Dr. King in terms of he's like, you know, we have guided missiles and misguided men, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, right. like right. We, we have so much understanding of the world, but we don't know shit when it comes mm. to, to deeper and, things. What were you going to say, Shannon? <laughs> well, I, I love the idea of belief is um, where I will put my heart, right? Like um, in terms like, uh, I don't, Whatever you said was much better than what I'm saying, but nonetheless, <laughs> like I, I, but I like the idea because this this is not uh, this is a an adaption of something I say on a regular basis when somebody's really struggling to understand something, especially in scripture that is not understandable through science, the resurrection, the birth, right. the blah blah, right? Like, and I don't want to say, well, you have to surrender to it. But I do want to say, you know, there's historical context here on why it's important. There's belief, former belief, like, you know, there's, there's history of cultural belief happening here. 
But ultimately, what really happened, I don't know, but I do believe in a God where all things are possible. So you don't want to throw away everything that we can't figure out on a, on a chart or a scientific equation, right? Well, I, right, then I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't, I right. wouldn't believe in God then. I mean, even though there, there is some science of something, right? Sure. But <laughs> even if God exists in neurons in my brain to bring hope into my world, I'm fine with that. Like, right. even if we've all made all of this shit up just to help us be better people, I'm fine with that. Like, if yeah. that's what God is, is a collective unconscious of all of humanity and the, the vibrations of creation, the energy in the world, I'm fine with that. But your faith right. is, that, is a hope that there's more than that, right? That there's more yes. substance, more depth, more reality than we can sort of prove with what we can see, touch, taste, and feel. Yes, because there's still things we can't explain. For sure. There are things that happen that are genuine. Even in science, there are things that happen that are just beautiful and miraculous, and nobody can explain why they happen. And even and so, if we get to someday explaining them, I don't, like, that's okay. Go ahead. Yeah, so would you, can you think of an area where you feel like, I, I don't have it figured out, but I believe or have faith or hope or trust that this is true, and now I think I sort of understand it. Or does, or does belief sort of mean I don't need to understand it? You know, I'm just trying to deal with his statement here. And, and No, exactly. Works. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I, it makes me think of like the, a theological book I read probably too early in my theological training. Um, Daniel Meliori's book, uh, Faith Seeking Understanding. Yeah, that's exactly where I went right? to. Yeah. yeah. So it's a nice phrase, faith seeking understanding. I, but I mean, as to your point, Brian, I'm not sure if it makes me understand it more. Like if I think about the resurrection, which I think is just a, a big thing, right? Like, like the New Yorker did a, a piece on the closest thing the Lutherans have to a celebrity, uh, Nadia Boltz-Weber. Right. And, and there was even a moment in there, like New York did a treatment of her. It's a big deal. And there was a point in there where the New Yorker was like, even Boltz Weber says she believes in the resurrection. She believes in a bodily resurrection, right? Like that was the sticking point in the article that she's so hip and progressive and has tattoos and everything, but she believes in the resurrection. Look at her, right? Like, like that's something that's reserved for the conservatives and the evangelicals, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And they have some I thought it was right to it. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so it's like, I don't understand the resurrection at all. Um, and I don't know if it happened. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I, but I don't even say I believe in it. Right. This is where I start using this language where I've been trying to work it more into my own understanding. And I say, listen, that's, that's where I put my heart. I put mm -hmm. my heart in this idea that Jesus did rise, that, that, that death couldn't stop him, that, that Rome and, and a public lynching and uh, a whole, a whole system of inequality and oppression that tried to kill them. They couldn't do it. Right. Mm, that'll preach, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, but I think like <laughs> so that's, that's, but that's where I put my heart. I don't understand it anymore because you know, uh, it's like Romero, you know, Oscar Romero, um, a couple of weeks before his death, he said, listen, if they kill me, I will resurrect in the Salvadoran people. I love that. Um, right. right. And, and yeah. he did like he did. Um, right, he, he came did. back to life, he, and then and, he came back to life. And right. then we have multiple levels of resurrection, right? That that's very true. That he lives on, and and his life and his heart and his his efforts uh, remained with us, maybe even a more powerful way, potent way, because of his death and the way he died. Um, but that's not right. the same as saying he physically, you know, was walking among us again, and and suddenly had a new sort of bot, you know, so it just get, gets so complicated right. and I can't figure it out either. It does. And I too am in a place right. of, I don't know. And if I only relied on science and what makes sense and what we see happening in history, I'm pretty skeptical about traditional understandings of the resurrection. But at the same time, I don't want to let go of that idea or that um, hope or whatever it means, you know? So I'm, I hear you. Right. right. I, think, I don't think it makes me understand it anymore. Uh, it, you right. know, I, I, I don't think it helps me understand. I think it helps me if I'm trying to go off of the Augustine the, quote, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that 
I think the best thing it does is it helps me. It it it, it helps me recognize maybe the forces surrounding it, or it helps me have more. Uh, maybe the understanding of the depth of the early Christian movement that it even survived uh, in the first place. Like, I, I, I don't know. It, yeah. it, it doesn't ha- like, as I'm sitting here right now, I'm like, Oh, I don't understand it anymore. I'm probably understand the last half of this conversation. Maybe that's why it's so powerful. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. We, we do right. that for people. So right. I've, I've said over and over again is that, you know, when I begin to know, I've stopped believing. Mm. So right. I've put well, Augustine, my, Augustine would agree with you. Right. So I've put my, my experience, my knowledge, like it becomes about me then when I have the answer, that's, that's like when I know now there are a few things I know, but there are some faith. things, you know, right. That you don't there need are to some things. for God is love. Right. I know that. Like I believe uh, see, that I would say, and I, I know I say you have faith and you believe it. I wouldn't say, you know it. I think that's a different, I know that's so tricky. Isn't it hard? I know I'm drinking this beer. I know I'm on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. Yes. Like right. I know. I know or are you? Like, Is it just a dream, Brian? <laughs> but that's the whole thing, right? Like, like I thought you were about to say, like, I know the sun rises in the east. Okay. Yes. That's well, what but I thought you were going to say. Even, Right. An East thing is an arbitrary, like we made that right. up. Right. Right. Time is a concept. Dang like, the okay, thing- fine. So I know, I know that the earth is spinning at 27,500 miles an hour in an axis that's rotating around the sun. Right. I know that. Right. 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 But like, no, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't personally know it. I didn't prove that. I was told that. Right. Right. But like, ah. I know it, I know it's, Ooh. I know it's true. Ah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that, does that make it worse? Like, I That's know a it's good true example, because... actually. Well, right. Does that, so does A, does it make it less true that, you know, you know it and not believe it? And I mean, is that, is somehow, I think the problem that we're having nowadays is that in the, I mean, not to blame the evangelicals for everything, but, you know, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> but, blame them. Blame them. But that belief They, they love be, that. They love that. Oh, right. Like, yeah, because it plays totally into their, plays totally into. They're also big listeners. It plays into their hand. Oh, total big listeners of our podcast. But I, like, you have, like, you've, they've put belief over knowledge. And I mean, last week's podcast was all about, you know, climate change and whatever. Like we've put, oh, but God will whatever save us. God will, God know, like God knows the way whatever not accepting acceptable knowledge from science because it conflicts with their world right yeah yeah and so it's like and i what i say i have family members who are still evangelical right and i'm just like listen if you get sick like with a cancer and you have to go through a surgery like aren't, aren't you going to trust your doctor right. that they know right yes um and I think there's a, I think there's a level there because then it's like, well, listen, 97.8% of scientifically reviewed peer journals say the earth is warming. So what do you want? Like, <laughs> right. Right. I, exactly. I, I don't know what else to say to you. And I feel like that's a whole anti-intellectual thing, which I would place in like the burgeoning with like Sarah Palin being, you know, being a running mate and just kind of like just flat out having this disdain for anybody being a professional or an expertise in their field where I'm like, I want an expert in certain mm-hmm. things. And or see you our know? current uh, elected leadership. No, no, no question. But I think it's important though to remember, like it's not just our current leadership, right? For, right. Like, this has been brewing for a while. It has. Yes. Yeah. yes. This is, this is the result of a lot of things, but yeah. So I, I think, belief is important and yes you're absolutely right like i by me saying i know god is love that is my experience i didn't that is what i do believe no no no. i think it's important i think it's an important distinction distinction i think that is my ultimate hope right some people they can't get past if they can't understand it or then it's not worth it's not worth it and for me it goes to the i so and i've said this before and i've said this openly like I don't necessarily believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus because I, I don't, I can't even begin to understand that. 
What I do believe is that God is bigger than all of my knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, and the symbol of resurrection, the symbol of conquering death, the symbol of being able to say, what, no matter what you do to me, whatever cruelty, whatever pain, whatever you put me through, you cannot keep me down, is far more important to me in my faith than whether or not I actually believe in a physical body coming back mm-hmm. from the dead. Far more important. Yeah, I hear you. So I'm wondering, is this Augustine quote like a nicer way of saying what the person in our earlier quote from Facebook, he said, you know, his penetrating thought as he's in this church service is don't try to figure it out, just surrender all. Is that the same as don't seek to understand, just believe? And then, you know, the under, you know it feels like it's very similar in a way. And I wonder, do we, yeah, apply, I think do we apply this to other religions? religious traditions uh like would we say as we're looking at islam well you just need to read the quran and believe it and then you'll understand like we would never most people who are not muslims would not use augustine's words and apply it to another religious tradition other than their own it seems to only work when you're talking about your own belief system is that fair just to stir the pot (laughs) so I basically play by the rules of like, I don't talk about anybody else's stuff, but my own. Right. So it's like, yeah. um, you know, so I it's like, I, I don't, I mean, I'm just, I'm very much into, or at least what I've felt um, is that Christians are really good at like obsessing about the speck in our Muslim neighbor's eye and like totally oblivious to the plank in our own. And I feel like that's a that's something to recognize, you know. Um, yeah, I, like I we, agree. I was I, I wasn't we have our to, own shit, you know. I wasn't trying to criticize Islam. I was criticizing Christians who don't don't take that same charitable view toward other religious traditions yes. and instead yes. dismiss them. But if yes. they took their own approach to their own faith to other religions, maybe they'd be more open and less dismissive. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, that's good. I did. I didn't mishear that. No, that's good. I like that. Like, if we could have some, <laughs> I mean, if we could, if we could, if we could inject some of our own humility into our interfaith discussions, right? Yeah, right. Like, For sure. Like, I mean, I feel like I don't know if this is the same thing, but it's like, like I, I've, I've struggled with like Mormonism for a while, right? <laughs> and I just flat out say, or I have said, right? I'm like, y'all, like seriously, they're talking about ancient Jews built boats and sailed for America, right? Like, <laughs> right. that's crazy. It's really hard like, to be charitable toward that. Thoroughly, thoroughly admit. insane. Thoroughly insane. And then there's this voice, right? That's like, dude, you think that this body, that, <laughs> that this bread and wine is the body and blood of Jesus, all right? Fair enough. Like, slow your roll, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Fair. Fair enough. I mean, that's 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 me. That's me trying to be good about. It. I don't yes. know if that's the same time, but like you know, I mean, I don't know if that's kind of what you're getting at, Brian. As as far as like, if we recognize that there's a lot of shit in our own faith tradition that's just really, really weird and hard to prove or understand, right? Well, and maybe and we could be a little bit less like. Yeah, Muhammad went up a mountain and then he received the entire Quran. That makes sense, right? Well, yeah, we have no doubt believing Moses did the same, you know, so it's like Right. And and there's also the thing too, right? Muhammad lived in a in a modern world. So we know a lot more about him. Like we have right. actual right. Well, more so we modern. Know, but we know well, yeah. Joseph Smith, yeah, on the true. other hand, come on. That's, actual a, that's a whole thing. That's right. a whole thing. Right. And like, and then there's like the whole, where are the plates, Joseph? Right. Where are the plates? Anyways, I mean, there's a lot of different things, right? Yes. Like, but I mean, I think, I think, I think there is a thread through all those to say, like, we don't know so much about our own. Like, yeah. like, you know, I, I was reading uh, uh, Reza Aslan's uh, Zealot. And, you know, we have a lot of information from that time about other messiahs, all failed, right? Failed messiahs as a, messianic fervor of first century uh judaism um but jesus doesn't really he doesn't really play a big 
part on that, right? right? Like, we have a couple of like historical things, but it wasn't like Josephus was like all into Jesus, had no, no concept of him. Yeah. So, right? Like, like was it really James? I don't know. I mean, my, my point is like, there's just a lot of unknowing yeah. that we just kind of like take, like, listen, this is real. Like right. ancient Jews building boats sailing to America. That's crazy, but we're, we're real. And I'm right. like, well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't right? know. But I, I do think there's, so part of, I think what plays into all of this is at least for me in the dismissive part of, of the idea of like, well, someday when I get to heaven, I'll get all the answers. Mm. And so my job here on earth is just to, it's just to believe and not figure out the answers because someday I'm going to get all the answers. And, and, you know, that's part of that salvationist theology that of, in terms of like heaven is the goal, which, Mm. you know, as we've all said, like, well, if heaven's the goal, then why come to earth at all? Like why live a life at all? Like why, Mm. why do any of Mm. this? You know, right. and, and that's an extreme view, but well, still, you know. The beer, the beer it, I think, yeah. is the reason. The beer. We come for the beer. Let's be honest. Like, we come for the beer. <laughs> I mean, um, it's it's proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy, right? That the, the Amen. quote given to Benjamin a lot Franklin. of people, but, you yeah. know, whatever. Or it's attributed to a lot of different people. Yeah, sure. I've heard that one, too. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, the, the like, really, like, so God created us so we could come to earth and be terrible sinful people and then go to heaven and get all the answers like is this that's a cruel joke of a god right it's like, cruel but let, let's bring in this quote from uh first corinthians 13 where the apostle paul says something along the lines of what you were just saying shannon he says for we know only in part but when the complete comes the partial will come to an end for now we see in a mirror dimly but then we will see face to face now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. So is he there hinting at what you said, that there is some future date, whether you want to call that heaven or whatever comes next, or, you know, when we're in this sort of oneness with, with God and um, love and et cetera, that there'll be a fuller knowing. Do you resonate with what he's saying there or not? See, that's where I come down to like, it's really not about knowing. Ah. For me, it's not about getting to heaven to get all the answers. Um, it's, it's the oneness with God that, that as a human, for whatever you want to call it, I am separated from yeah. the complete oneness with God. Um, it's, and it's getting back to that being, not getting back to the knowing. And he's talking about uh, relationship knowing too, right? He's like, even as I'm fully known. So it's like, I am like yes. fully known and embraced. And that's the part that I'm 100% behind in this, in his, yep. this part of, of, cause he's, this is right after the, this is what God's love looks like. Right? Yeah. Love, love is patient. Love is kind. kind. Mm-hmm. So, and then he's going, I'm, I'm fully known. And someday I will, I will be in the being of fully knowing, yeah. but it's hard. It's hard to explain. Cause I don't think it's about a knowledge understanding. There's a moment in Carl Sagan's contact. Um, I think it's just one of the most necessary books uh, to read, especially in this time of kind of what he called technological adolescence that humanity is in. Um, but, you know, there's this moment between the main character whose dad died when she was young and she's a scientist and she's a full on scientist. And she's just like, she actually falls for a, a, a man of faith and she is like, you know, kind of needling him. And she says, you know, how can you believe in God? Like if it were me, I would need proof. And then he comes back and says, did you love your dad? And she gets really silent and then she's like, I loved him more than anything. And then he says, we'll prove it. Right. Right. So mm. I'm thinking of that when we're talking around, when Shannon's naming this thing that you read, Brian, from Paul, of, you know, he'll finally be fully known. And 
it's sort of like, I don't know if even, I, I'm sure even he didn't know what he was talking about, but he had this faith yeah. that he would know at some point. Right. I mean, John of Patmos probably thought that he knew on his little acid trip that we call Revelation. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, his his four-weekend bender. <laughs> right. When really, I mean, you know, I'm definitely of the school of thought that that was, you know, that was this subversive political screed to give yes. hope to churches under under Roman occupation. Well, we can't call it Rome. We'll call it Babylon. Right. Um, For but sure. like, you know, but let's just, but let's still say like, there's a lot of, you know, Julian of Norwich and Hildegard of Bingen, um, these, these people throughout history, uh, Meister Eckhart, that like they wrote as though they knew. And most of the world thought that they were pretty insane. Mm -hmm. um, mm. And especially still, after you know, post-Reformation, we think that's crazy. You know, seeing God in this mystical lover language, belovedness, right they're nuts right yeah they're nuts and then but then what what does every single wedding couple choose if they know any part of the bible they choose first corinthians 13 right um or they might go really weird and you know weird for them and, and think that the the part in ruth is so beautiful and they're like cool that's between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law but okay yeah we'll go right <laughs> right like, or they pull out set me as a seal upon your heart and i'm going wow okay yeah <laughs> like if you want to if you want to model your marriage off a of song song more power to you right exactly um, but like it might not be what you think it is no. but yeah i mean i think i think there is a sense of that's back to what you were saying before shannon like like you know what matters what matters is for you to know, quote unquote, know that God is love. Um, mm. And, and I'm assuming for you, Shannon, right. The, the, the epitome of that might be touch. Just like maybe for Brian, it's hearing. And for me, it's seeing. Right. <laughs> like, right. like if, the, if that's the last sense that we're willing to give up, maybe that's really where we're experiencing God or the divine. Mm -hmm. So it's different for everybody. Nice. So for me, so even as you said that, I'm going for me to say, I know God is, or I know God is love. It's not an intellectual thing for me, but it is an, ab it is an absolute trust that I yeah. am loved no matter what, you know, Romans eight, right? Nothing can separate me from that love. Um, that, that for me is, is the knowing, but not about knowledge. So knowing isn't a great word for it. No, but, but it, I know it's a relational knowing, right? A relational knowing, yeah. not an intellectual knowing. Knowing in the biblical sense. I mean, <laughs> oh, whoa. But, I mean, come on, whoa, <laughs> come on. They, they knew each other. Let's, let's be right. serious here. Right. I mean, if they yeah. know each other, then, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, but I think that's what, again, Paul didn't, I don't think anybody who wrote any of these knew exactly what they were talking about, but, but the idea of, of, um, so see, I almost went to the, like giving myself over to some, right. I almost went back to that language. Yes. Um, it's, it's hard to give that kind of thing up. It is, but I, it, not because. And that's okay. But I mean... giving, well, not so I, again, I think there's a way to do that in an, in a hierarchical way where it's, it's negative. Somebody has power yes. over, and then there's a, I'm, I'm giving myself to you in love in commitment in trust mutuality you know, in mutuality. And I, yeah. and I think it's a difference of how you're viewing each other and that we talk about that a lot in human to human relationship, but we've gotten so far away from this it's a mystical way of talking about God, that there's a mutuality with God, that I can give yeah. myself over to God. I like that, that is not what that atonement quote is talking about. No, no agreed. Right? There's a difference. Anyway. Yeah, I'll say that I, I appreciate Paul showing some humility about what we can sort of quote unquote know, right? That we know only in part. And I think often, um, we see Paul not showing that humility and he knows darn well what he thinks and people who disagree with him are wrong yeah. and he wants to castrate him or whatever he wants to do. Um, 
but I, but I think right. I appreciate that that language is there because I rely on that all the time. This whole, now we see in a mirror dimly. And I use that all the time when I talk about my faith and about God and, and things of the spirit, because it, there is so much mystery and knowing in the, in the conventional sense, I don't know. It's, it, it is a, a hoping, a trusting, a believing. So I'm, I'm grateful for that language. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's a powerful thing to name that none of these writers, none of these people knew what they were talking about. Um, that even, that even in some ways, you know, maybe Jesus didn't, you know, it's like when they asked him when the end, when the end of the world was going to be like, nobody knows, not even the son or the father. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Right. Um, I don't know. It's like this imposter syndrome. I just think I, I, I give that to my evangelical friends who just think that Paul is the second coming of Christ. Oh yeah. And everything he says is just so incredibly amazing. I'm like, he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about half the right. time. Um, One of my favorite moments of Paul is I forget which letter is in. He's writing the letter and you know, he's dictating it to somebody who's like writing it down and he's like, I only baptize that family. And then the who, somebody <laughs> in the room was like, Oh, and blah blah blah. And he's like, and that other family. <laughs> and it's just such a perfect moment of like this yep. guy just you know, yeah. because there had to be some arrogance to what he was doing. He had to think that he was the shit, right? And that he was the only one that could get this message to do what he did, right or right. wrong. For sure. You know, so but I but what I've Again, you know, when people think every word of Paul should be hung on, I'm going the number of times Paul contradicts himself, the number of times you've got to put these words in a context, yeah. you know, the number, but, but the thing, of, and this is a text that points to it of the, that now and not yet push and pull, mm. you know, of Paul's theology, the someday, but not now, you know? Yep. Um, and yes, that was, you know, eschatological, like Jesus is coming any day now, you know, whatever. But I mean, even, even, yeah, that's the thing though, right? Like how many first century, how much of the first century writings and the first century of Jesus's movement, did they really believe like they thought very, very strongly that they were going to live to see Jesus come back? I mean, you literally right? shouldn't get married and have children because <sighs> Jesus is coming and you should spend your time focusing right. on getting right with God. I mean... <laughs> And then you're right. single in 55 and you're like, damn it, Paul. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Paul really didn't like girls, did he? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I think he was very, like, I do the things I don't want to do and I, I don't want to do the things I do them. Like, he was pretty tortured. He like, was. Yeah, he was for a tortured. Sure. Um, but God I just wonder if, if we were, if we were, amen, if we were going to ask Paul, though, if like he was in this conversation on this podcast and we said, you know, what do you know for sure? Ooh. I think he might use language like, well, I don't know, but I'll tell you, this is what I give my heart to, right? Or this yes. is what I, yeah. right? And I think that's part of the, at least in English, I think that's what we mean when we say things like, well, this is, this is what I know for sure. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. there are certain things we know and then there are things we know for sure, right? Yeah. Right. Like, so I know that like, Earth is this tiny rock in a backwards in, in, in a back back alley of a pretty small galaxy and literally billions of galaxies in a universe that is expanding. What the hell is going on? Like it's expanding. Right. Um, I know that, but here's what I know for sure: is that I am loved by God. Right. That, that there's nothing I can do that will make that that love disappear. I know that for sure. Right. Yeah. But you know. Couldn't prove it. <laughs> uh, well done. Well done. Well, I think maybe that's a good place to move toward our close. Jason, if, if people wanted to find any of your work or follow you on social media, do you have any uh, place we could point them to? I have lots of places, Brian. Um, I think on Twitter, Twitter, they should follow crazy pastor. That's an easy one to remember. Nice. Um, and then uh, my film company is called on coast film. So it's like the, a new kind of storytelling. So A N K O S that's kind of my full-time gig now. And so youtube.com slash on films or same thing with Facebook and uh, same thing with Twitter. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm just continually trying to visually curate uh, stories that matter. And, and uh, that's kind of where I'm located when I'm not 
filming, I will probably be on social media in some way. <laughs> Super. And Super. occasionally he comes to our house to watch football. So, you know, it's true. I do that. Yeah, I do that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Excellent. Well, it was great to have you uh, with us today. Really glad, glad you were able to squeeze us in. Yeah. Well, thanks for the invite. It was a lot of fun. I mean, like we don't really get the opportunity to have these kind of conversations. Like I think in general, right? Like I, I yeah. like what y'all are doing because it's not like, like we have to do all this small talk. I'm, I'm back at my alma mater. I'm seeing all these people I haven't seen in years. It's not like we sit there and, and do something that I would like to do. Like, just be like, so listen, like exactly what the hell was going on in first century Judaism, right? right. We don't have those conversations. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So thanks. Thanks for inviting me. You bet. Well, thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. You can connect and spread the word on social media. You can, you can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes. And we'd love if you would rate us in those forums. And if you'd like to watch the show, you can do that at YouTube or catch clips of the show on IGTV. And if you want to find a conversation group like this, a Pub Theology group in your town and have uh, these discussions that Jason was just saying we need more of, and I agree. You can check out the official directory at pubtheology.com. And if you don't see a group on the map near you, there are some resources to help you start your own. And don't forget to consider becoming a supporter of this show on Patreon. Yay! Visit patreon.com slash pplive to get started. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Fake music. Fake music. <laughs> this was fun. We were getting into oh it today. God. This was great. Thank you, Jason, again. Appreciate it. Yeah. It was awesome, man. Yeah. It was great. It's Anytime. almost like you need a beer I, I now. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. Felt like, uh, uh, felt like I was able to exercise my theological muscles because sometimes <laughs> I don't get to, you know? For sure. Yeah. It's like, it, it was a it's treat. like what you all say in your little tagline. It was like a little, you know, you looking at it through a theological lens, which I love because I'm looking at like everything through a theological lens. And I'm a You're literally well. looking at it through a lens. <laughs> oh! Literally through oh. a theological lens. Boom. Oh! I love it. That's perfect. I'm going to use that somehow. You should. Absolutely. Somehow. Right. somehow. Awesome. All right, thanks, we'll y'all. we'll let you get soon. to it. Take it easy. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Right. Bye-bye.